I'm Laura Max Rose, mother of two, and you're listening to Look Ma No Hands, my candid dispatches from the front lines of motherhood. I ask the real, tough, honest questions on motherhood-related topics that we're all wanting to know more about, in hopes it will make everyone's journey fulfilling, easier, and more joyful. If you're not a mom, welcome. I want you to know how happy I am that you're listening and that these topics can be applied to any season of life. I'm grateful you're along for the ride. Welcome back to Look Ma No Hands. I am your host, Laura Max Rose, and I am joined today by my friend and founder of Define Body and Mind, Henry Richardson. Henry, welcome to the show. Thank you, Laura, so much for having me. Henry, I'm so excited to talk to you today. You are a official masters of positive psychology. So you're a positive psychology practitioner, having recently graduated from Penn. Um, You're also a former TEDx speaker. And many of us here in Houston, Texas, and far beyond now, um, Define has expanded worldwide, have practiced um, many different forms of exercise and and fitness at Define Body, um, which is something I'm so excited to talk to you about later on in the show, how you're planning on transitioning into this post-COVID future we're all looking at. Um, But I I asked you to come on the show because I saw this post that you made on Instagram of your son, Cameron. Um, He was enjoying a bath. Um, and you called his bath time ritual a positive intervention. And you asked your followers, what are your favorite positive interventions? And I'd never heard that term before, but I immediately understood what it meant. And I thought, you know, what a great concept. What a great thing to call that because it gives this t- it gives this title to something I know I do with my own children all the time. It's this way of redirecting um, if we're having a meltdown or if things really aren't going well. And it's something that I subconsciously do in my own life, but I've never really had a word for it. So I started thinking about like, what are all of my positive interventions? And especially right now, I did a post about this today. In quarantine, you know, we're inside a lot and inside there's no sunlight and inside things can, you know, it, it's easy to become anxious when you're in one space all the time, having been used to being in the world we were all in. So I started making a list of like, what are my positive interventions? What are things that um, really help me break out of feeling that way? Sometimes I don't even realize it, but I'm holding my breath. And even it's just like noticing that and starting to breathe again or using the box breath. So then I did this research. I found out there's actually seven different types of positive psychology interventions that exist. And that's why you're here. I'm just excited for you to tell me all about what um, a positive intervention is and Um, why you actually began studying positive psychology and how it can help all of us, especially during this time. Well, again, thanks so much for having me. I'm also very excited to be here and very excited to talk about positive psychology because it's more than just positive thinking. It's about applying it into our lives in a way that really does enhance our well-being and the results that that have on our bodies, on our minds, on our families, on our, you know, workplace settings, as well as our communities it really does have powerful influences and effects. And so um, I, I'm thrilled to be here. So thank you. Yes, I'm so excited. And, and I love what you said about how it's not just positive thinking. Because when I was reading actually the definition of positive psychology from um, UPenn, it said, you know, it's the study of the quote, good life or the positive aspects of the human experience that make life worth living. It's right. almost the opposite of what the secret 
um, sort of touts or just thinking positively and that that would affect your life. It's instead of asking the question, what's wrong with you, which is what really, when we inquire about other people, it's almost like this sort of subliminal messaging in our culture. We're always wondering what's wrong. It's asking what's right, what's right with you. And it requires a lot of practice. And I think a lot of us are in this position right now where we're having to work really hard to see things differently. Yeah. And we have this incredible opportunity and an abundance of time to be able to do that. That's right. And, you know, one of the things that positive psychology really drills is that as a living organism, human beings, we naturally tend to have a negativity bias. Our negativity bias comes in the form of us, you know, even checking the road before we cross the street, right? It's really? That's us. so interesting. Yeah, it's to protect us. And it's a very important bias that we have. But at a certain point over time, that that negativity bias that we carry with us, it no longer serves us. And so instead of us trying to always look for the negative, the things that might be attacking us or the things that are preventing us from literally opening up, we now over time have to learn that it's in, extremely, it's imperative that we learn how to look for the positive because it's going to help us to go not only just from living the good life, but to living a meaningful life, to living a spiritual life, to living a life that really has um, no true boundaries of, of, of goodness and positive emotion. And, and I think that that is something that is um, hard to understand and, and really connect at first because in a situation like the coronavirus, where we are having to deal with our survival it's extremely hard to think of the positive at times. So we must remember that even in those downward spiral moments, it's important to have interventions that keep us somewhere on a path or somewhere on a, on a track towards living a healthy, rejuvenated sense. Because it doesn't really serve anyone to continuously go down into a downward spiral, although there are purposes and points for us to have negative experiences. You know, we are, we are human beings that need to have the full spectrum of emotions. I mean, it doesn't mean sweep something under a rug. It means how can you take that lesson, feel it, be with it, understand it, and then move it so that we're taking it to this sense of redirecting where we want to go in our lives. So there's a lot of intention behind it. There's a lot of awareness behind it. There's a lot of spirituality, in my opinion. And that's one of the things that I actually... Uh, at at school, put my my energy and my um, thesis on. So, what are I, I love the way that you frame that? And what are some of the things that we can do to intervene when we are spiraling? I mean, the news is like even if you don't watch the news, if you have a phone, the notifications are almost constant. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah. The phone. It's is challenging. Working. Yeah, I yeah, it's challenging to get away one. from. That's my number one oh. positive intervention: is turning my phone <laughs> off. Right. Turn it off. <laughs> Okay, I yeah, like it. Yeah, but very hard to do. I mean, like I have a business and I have a family, and so we have to also be responsible, right? So with that being said, you know, I think it's important to think of the word intervention for just a moment too, because in most ways, when we think of the word intervention, we think of it as a negative. Like we think of having to intervene with a family member if we think that they're not doing something that's in alignment with what we see as being good for them, right? Um, it, it comes in the context of, perhaps a drug or an alcohol intervention. And so the word intervention in and of itself means how can we intervene in an effort to create a change of course of action? And so if we start to think about it from the positive intervention, the word positive, if we find ourselves downward spiraling, 
how can we do something as simple as you just said, like take a deep breath in to help us to redirect, refocus our course of action? And a lot of research from um, Barbara Fredrickson, she is um, out of uh, University of North Carolina. She talks about this concept of broadening and building, that when we broaden, meaning when we take that split brief moment, instead of constricting and contracting, going downward, but we pause and we intervene, perhaps through a deep breath in, we start to open and then we can easily build. I shouldn't say the word easily, right? We can more simply build our sense of positive direction because we're practicing this constantly. It's like having a toolkit in your back pocket that you have to pull the tool out and know which tool to use for the different circumstances of life. Well, one of the things that I read about when I was doing my research before this interview was that this is something like if you're looking for a quick, anyone who offers you a quick fix that, you know, happiness is just the flick of a switch. They're trying to sell you something. (laughs) And that this is really, this is really something that you have to work hard on. And it's something you have to work as hard on as you work on being miserable, essentially. But it's a very active, it, it requires effort and it requires just a different way of thinking. So I know for the phone, for example, um, how many times have people told me, don't sleep with your phone in your bedroom, like right. leave it downstairs, put it in the bathroom, whatever. Um, it was hard to do that the first time. Um, and I think sometimes that can be a really big roadblock is we're not used to having to deal with the discomfort, like discomfort being something that comes between us and what's good for us. That's right. Our society kind of tells us like, if it's uncomfortable, don't do it. It should be easy. You know, and you're making me think about this concept that is talked about which is called meliorism. Um, and it sounds like a big fancy word, but I'm sure you are somewhat familiar with it if you understand Spanish or French. Mejor means better, or meilleur in French means better, right? Uh-huh. And the concept is, is how can we learn to thrive by simply choosing what is the better option in that moment? There are some times when we have to do things like grow positive behaviors. For example, if I am, uh, let me use the, uh, an extreme example like cancer. There's two real scenarios that we're trying to help to make sure that we're thriving in the process of cancer. We are, one, going to choose things that we're going to grow, like healthy nutrition, healthy movement practices, healthy meditation, um, and, and even like a healthy community and support systems. There's other things, too, that we want to do to make sure that we're thriving is we need to get rid of certain things. For example, you might have chemotherapy to go through this cancer treatment in order to try to get rid of the cancer. And so throughout life, it is a constant kind of play of what is the better option in this moment? And as you said, it's not an overnight fix or a quick fix at all. In fact, it takes a lot of reflection for us to start to develop the toolkit to say, what is the better option in this moment? Is it for me to, um, you know, grow the good of, of, putting my phone down and um, just simply you know, you know, turning it off? Or is it trying to get rid of something? Maybe it's the belief that something bad is going to happen in the middle of the night and I need to really reflect on that. And so I should try to take action in one of the two ways. Um, and, and so you can see from that example that there's not ever really a one-size-fits-all response. Each and every person is going to have to figure out what brings well-being into their lives. What is going to be that positive inter- intervention for them in that moment so that they can make the best course of action? I love that. I love that. I did an interview recently with Megan Burkle. She's the owner of Willow Crowns, and she talked about 
how she one day just made a list of all the things in her day-to-day life that were bothering her. Like when she came downstairs, there were dishes in the sink. Um, The bed's not being made, just stuff that put a little dent in her day and brought her down even just a little bit. And then she went through each one and she was like, okay, how am I going to fix each of these things? How am I going to do them differently? And that those things, even though they seem so small when they were happening, it made such a huge difference for her to go through and do them differently. Um, For me, that was waking up in the morning to like my kids waking me up. Um, Starting my day that way was just really weighing me down. And um, it took a pandemic for me to start doing things differently. Uh, Because honestly, having being like a 13 hour a day parent or more than that sometimes makes you really desperate to have some time for yourself. (laughs) Um, So I'm like, okay, that wasn't working for me. Um, But anyway, I think this quarantine has just provided such an unbelievable opportunity. There's so much about it that is so challenging. Um, Yet it seems to have wiped the slate clean for so many of us to really look at the way that our lives were before. That's right. And yeah, I mean, I can imagine that with all that you've done and can and plan on doing, um, there's probably room for you to, to work with that. So we were talking before we started recording, we started talking about the future of define, um, the future of exercise group fitness in general, which I don't really know anything about that. So I would love to know your take and what, where you plan on bringing define as we move forward. So, you know, I was referring to the negativity bias at the very beginning of, of this conversation. And I think it's important to also remember that even though we have a negativity bias, which means that we see the negative very quickly and easily. I mean, think about even in our taste buds or our sense of smell, like um, a, a disgusting smell is going to be much more noticeable than a pleasant smell. And mm-hmm. with that same idea, though, we are, as human beings and living systems, we're also drawn towards life-giving systems. So even though we have a negativity bias, we are naturally drawn towards things that give us energy, that give us life. And so exercise and those three breaths and yoga and mindfulness, those are very powerful positive interventions because we know that we can rely upon them to help us um, in body and mind and our ex- total experience of life. And so that's that's really been one of my main attractions to positive psychology is how we can incorporate it even more into our classes, not just from the words that we're utilizing in our teaching, but really in our the way that we're marketing, the way that we're applying all sorts of different services. And so one of my main goals is to really start to take it on on a community level. How can we start to really bring in these various pillars of of body, of mind, of our food and our nutrition, of our full health, even thinking about like from a functional medical practice? And how can we tie this in together in order to create this sense of life for our communities? And I want to really tackle this through thinking about every single aspect of our communities from, you know, the kids perspectives, from high school students, from, you know, um, young professionals to people that are the busy super parents that are doing so much right to the empty nesters all the way to people that are more on the marginalized side of our community that don't necessarily have access to all of this um, that we do at Define. And so my goal is to to shift some things online, to build more of a lifestyle and well-being education component to it. Um, But it's so easy to do that through the form of movement. And so we have a really powerful foundation from which we can launch and start. And next steps for us are to move more onto the online uh, component of of tying in movement with aspects of positive psychology training, as well as even having different coaching type seminars 
and even a functional medicine doctor that we're going to be working with here in Houston. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to our next steps. I think that, you know, after this coronavirus, uh, the, our ability to reconnect some of the biggest questions that we're going to have as a society are, you know, making sure that as we transition, we're not transitioning f- from a place of fear and we're not transitioning into a place of suspicion about other people or um, just a underlying dullness in life. But instead, how can we transition to feel more invigorated and more alive more than ever? Because as you said, there's been some things that we've had to look really head on about what's going on in our lives and what can we do to now take this next step so that we don't just fall back into the same old, same old routines if they weren't working. We know that that's going to happen over time to a certain degree. However, what are the intentional shifts that we can make right away from day one, whether it is in our physical health and well-being, or perhaps it's in our mindset and our behaviors and our thoughts. So I, I'm well, really- I love that. I mean, people talk about a post 9-11 world, like when, when 9-11 first happened, we'd never been so united. And I have visceral memories of people having like American flags in their windowsills that were sent out in the newspaper. And like everyone was just American. We were so unified. And then how quickly we forgot about that. And so I've thought about that a lot in terms of this pandemic. This is a unique experience because we've had much longer in it. It's not something that happened in one day. It's something that's ongoing. And so we really have this incredible opportunity to take these gifts that we've been given, um, these diamonds in the rough, if you will, and really keep them and hold on to them and keep them sacred. I also loved what you just said um, previously about access. This is something I've thought about a lot and something you've been a tremendous example of um, in what you do with Define is like there are so many incredible tools for well-being, but quite frankly, many of them are only available to people who can afford them. And they're only available to people who have had access to them, depending on what type of schooling they have or where they grew up or who their family is. And what you've really done is like you've totally broken out of that in, in so many ways. And it sounds like you plan on continuing to do that. You've taken so many of the principles to define and brought them to other communities in Houston that might not have necessarily had access to them. And I think that's so important because we're we're all one of my favorite authors says like we all belong to each other like this we're all in this together um and this is like everyone i feel like because of everybody going online and um things taking place virtually um more so than ever we have this incredible opportunity to make this type of information um around well-being and health accessible to everyone that's right you know, from a uh, concept of even thinking about the timeframes in our life when we need this information the most, to also the variety of different people that live within a community. How can we help to make sure that we are all growing stronger together? Because that has been the theme of this entire uh, pandemic, right? Is that we are trying to boost ourselves, to boost ourselves as individuals and as communities. Because when we think about like, a virus. Viruses aren't necessarily new, but our bodies are the hosts of the virus. So how can we start to create, even going back to that word meliorism, right? What are some of the better options that we can take starting from now, starting from right now in order to prepare? Because although it is maybe a bit of a negativity bias, I'm about to say this, right? But this isn't something that's 
technically not going to repeat itself, right? We are going to be in this for not just the coronavirus of the strain that we are currently experiencing, but even in the future, how is it going to affect all sorts of different other um, potential disease? Well, I think that's just, I mean, factual, like we're going to have to learn how to live with this disease because this is not, we're getting more and more information every day that indicates that we're not going to like arrive at Christmas time and all of a sudden everybody's great and everybody's fine. We're going to have to find ways to live with this in our society um, for however long that takes. And I think that the immediate, the interest in health, physical health, especially that has come up because of this is really kind of, I mean, if you look at, you know, factory farming is shutting down because workers can't go in. I mean, we're, we're having to have conversations about the way we were feeding ourselves that we were not prompted to have before. Yeah, there's, I'm, I'm really hopeful that some of the big conversations that we knew were not sustainable start to become much more apparent and regulations, if we want to call it regulations, or uh, just, you know, simply some sort of conscious effort for us to say, look, this is this was not working. And I think that's kind of the conversation that we're having right now is how can we take some of the different things that we were experiencing, shift them more into a positive direction? Because in some ways we see this as a a rebirth, a rebeginning, a new start. And so if we can think about that in, in all the different industries that all of us work in and all of us are participating in as, as shoppers as well, then even if it is just for a a short period of time that we're making conscious effort, then we can start to hopefully reap the benefits of that for the time for at least a significant period of time. Yeah, absolutely. So while we are in the thick of it still, because, you know, we're in Texas, so there's some reopening happening, but um, largely around the U.S., we're still in lockdown mode. We're still in quarantine mode. Um, Most of the people listening to this, due to the title of my podcast, have one or more children at home. And um, are just pretty much in the thick of it. A lot of them are working. Um, It's a lot to take on. So I've been dying to ask you, what are some positive interventions, especially for moms, dads, um, that can help in those moments where things are just getting, things are escalating, it's too much? Right. What can we do to just turn the situation around? So I'm I'm really happy that we're shifting that too, because it's such an important part of, of every step of life, right? Is knowing that when we are becoming constricted or feeling that sense of downward spiral or stress or reactiveness that's happening, because all positive interventions essentially have the goal of producing an intentional response. And you can actually select what that intentional response is. But truly, if you want to simplify that down into just uh, two words, it would be positive emotion, right? We're trying to experience not the negative emotion, but we're trying to experience a sense of positive emotion. And the second part of it is that we're trying to see if we can sustain that positive emotion so that it really does start to create a new trajectory. So when we're thinking about, um, and you probably maybe have even heard my son um, going in and out of the door a few times <laughs> because I'm Just like, there's like well. a little thing in the background. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, maybe. Yeah. That's my, that's my son going in and out, right? It's, uh, it's the end of the school day we're, we're, we're here as well. And so we, yeah. we, we think about positive interventions because um, I actually, you know, my son, it's, it's, we watch him and he can be very doom and gloom sometimes. And so we, we notice that negativity bias quite quickly in him. And so we, we talk about these words that really he's in charge, kind of the, the notion of like making it better. You're in charge of making it better right now. What is something that would work for you? 
And so it's a very personal and it's a very individual response. But some of the simple things that we can do are like what we talked about with breathing or going and taking an exercise class. But sometimes it's as simple as putting on your favorite song, putting on a playlist that you think, you know, every single time just makes you feel a little better. Sometimes yeah. watching a movie, sometimes it's spending time in nature. Sometimes it's centered around um, doing something that gets you in what's called the flow state. So cooking or um, meditating or, um, again, exercising. Perhaps it's writing, perhaps it's reading. Something that gets you in that state where you kind of lose a sense of time. That's, that's said to be this optimal state of well-being is when we lose ourselves. And so however we can go about it is, is effective, but we have to ask ourselves a couple of questions. And it is, number one, is it, is it just based on pleasure or is this something that could have a sustainable well-being to go with it? So think of the word hedonic, right? Hedonia is this word, hedonia pleasure. And then there's this other word called eudaimonia, which means sustainable well-being. And so our goal is to start to think about how can we create more of a generated sustaining. And so let me give one quick, simple example. If we look at the most frequent experienced positive emotions for humans, I'll, I'll say the top five. They're joy, gratitude, serenity, interest, hope. And then there's pride and a few others like inspiration, amusement, awe, love. Love is the most frequently experienced positive emotion, which is why I save it for last. So let's, let's use that. If our goal is to just experience more love in this moment, well, we're going to have to think about how does it really connect to ourselves? Where do we feel in our body and how can we become more aware? So we would want to think of an actual activity that we could do that generates that sense of love. And one thing that we do is maybe even thinking about writing a letter towards to someone that has done something powerful. Now, I'm not saying that this is like the most quick fix like we talked about, but it's something right. that we can always rely upon because the quick fix might just be something like turn on the music or or put on a little do a little dance party, but then in order for it to have that sustaining effect we want to think about activities that we can actually do that really do serve purpose. And so you'll hear positive psychology talk a lot about savoring, savoring the good in life. And so if we're trying to savor the sense of love, then we need to do something that's really substantial towards showing that. Maybe it's doing something kind for a stranger. Maybe it's writing a letter to someone that you haven't talked to in a while or just um, sending a text message that's just filled with kind thoughts about how much that that person has inspired you and where you are in your life. We spend a lot of time waiting for those things to happen to us, like waiting to get a text or waiting to find out something good has happened. We don't realize how much control we actually have in being that change that we really want to see and creating that positive emotion. I read this meditation once. Um, I can't remember what the person's name was, but it was in a book called The Way to Love. It was this tiny book of meditations I found when I was in college. Oh, amazing. And the author talks about um, you know, meditating on how it feels to get a gift and how it feels to be loved, and then meditating on how it feels to give one and how it feels to love another, and really observing that like the utmost joy comes from this feeling of like giving somebody your unconditional love. And what you just said really reminded me of that. Yeah. I love it. I you also talked about the flow state, which I wanted to talk to you about because in my reading again on positive psychology today, I came across that and that one of the primary beliefs in positive psychology is that anything that you do that contributes to that flow state is, is something that should be 
um, coveted and and taken and and followed. And the way that you and I met, I often forget this because I've known you for so long. It was exactly actually ten years ago. Right. My mom had you call me when I was in college because <laughs> I was having an epic breakdown. I remember. Um, yes, you I remember. remember. And, I, I don't know the epic breakdown, but I remember. Oh it. my gosh. <laughs> Well, it was the classic, it was the classic, like I just graduated with my $200,000 degree and I'm not really sure I want to be doing the thing I was just yeah. studying. And I did the same um, thing. I know, I yes. know it <laughs> Right. I mean, like it's a pretty, co- it's a pretty common experience, but you don't really know that when you're going through it. And uh, the career that I had in, embarked upon, I, I, you know, we all, most of us enroll in college around 18. So when I was 18, you know, I wanted to be Oprah, still love, still would love that opportunity. But I had taken the route of um, majoring in broadcast journalism, and I was going to send my demo reel out to all these different stations in like the rural Midwest of America, and go work as a, as an anchor in a small town and kind of build my way up. And uh, I was terrified of being by myself in a place where I didn't have any friends in the middle of nowhere. And the way that I was really, I was always just really taught to value my career very intensely. It was, it was the number one priority. And the idea that I cared so much about having people around me, about meeting somebody and maybe getting married one day and having a family was just like completely foreign to, um, to me. I mean, I was like, what's, what's happening. It was like when the Grinch is like crying and he's like, I'm leaking, what's wrong with me. So I was thinking like, I don't, I don't know what's going on here, but I don't want to do all the things that I thought I wanted to do. I want to have a whole life. I want to have a life that has love in it. And, um, I look back on that and I'm like, wow, I really knew what I was doing, but I just like was kind of surrounded by people who were telling me that I was crazy. And you called me and all of that that I just said had manifested into me thinking it'd be a good idea to get a job at working retail at Lululemon so I could like become a yoga instructor. And my mom had told you to call me to talk me out of that. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> you called me and you were like, I've been sent here, but I, I want to know what's going on. And I sort of told you, and I don't remember all of this specific advice you gave me. You told me like a little bit about, you know, where you'd worked and what your journey was. But you said like, if you feel that if you feel like passionate about something, if it makes you feel good, like that's the direction that you should go in. And I remember that advice and thinking like, yeah, I had a feeling you were right about that. I just, that's not the advice that I grew up hearing. So I feel really awkward and uncomfortable, but I'm just going to keep doing that. And that's kind of what I've kept doing. So I just, I love that. I love that idea that, you know, really pursuing um, what makes us feel good and like just continuing to go in that direction that creates this life that I think so many of us want to live, but we don't really know how to get there. I, that feeling is like an indicator. Oh, that's awesome. I, I'm, I love reflecting on that story, and it's hard to believe that that was 10 years ago. However, <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy that I uh, was able to say something that actually is now consistent to what I've learned in school. <laughs> yes, you knew the whole time. Now you have a degree, well, right? You knew. You know, so thinking about that, positive psychology thinks of living the pleasant life, living the engaged life, and living the meaningful life. And the pleasant life is, you know, it, it's a good life. It's it's full of positive emotions. The engaged life is when we are doing something that we are consumed by because we're so passionate about it and we we feel so much direction towards it. Now, the meaningful life is when we're sharing that to make the world a better place. And how incredible is that to think about? And I even think about like Joseph Campbell and he talks about the hero's journey and 
even yogic philosophy where sat chit ananda and it's about you know following your bliss and finding out what is it that really does make you feel alive and if you can find that and follow that and learn about that then we start to become more alive in other areas of our lives it really does have that that word that i didn't really describe to you but that we are drawn towards life-giving systems it's called the heliotropic effect so heliotropic and it is powerful because when we light up the world people are drawn to it and our energy is drawn to it and it just turns into a much more powerful way of living versus being downward spiraling and I'm, again i'm not saying that there's anything wrong with downward spiraling it's about the full spectrum of life but at a certain point we have to choose which is the better option in this particular situation and so i think that uh following your bliss is a, a very powerful concept um thinking about what gets you lit up and how can you continue to to build and grow because it's not always going to be like that we all go through peaks and valleys and and thinking about what can we do to inspire the people that we see in our daily lives well i think we've gotten so many messages that the there's something to like the hustle and the grind and like kind of making yourself like wearing yourself down almost to a degree to get whatever it is that you really want and yeah. it's so funny because as everything has sort of fallen apart Every single one of my friends that I've spoken to, whether they have kids or not, the one thing that they're like, oh my God, I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to go back to that yeah. is traffic. Nah. Nobody wants to go back to sitting the in traffic. The hustle and bustle, right. The hustle and bustle. Nobody wants that anymore. Right. Well, you know what it um, represents? It represents? What was that? I said, it represents one of the pillars of positive psychology, um, which is accomplishment. But if we're imbalanced in the, our sense of you know, striving towards accomplishment... My friend, so positive psychology has this five-letter construct of how to increase well-being into your life, and it's called PERMA, P-E-R-M-A, and it's positive emotions, engagement, relationships, meaning, and accomplishment. And the last mm. part of it is accomplishment, and it can serve us to have a sense of meaning and to feel like there's some self-efficacy in that what we're doing is actually taking hold, and and what we do, we do it well. There's There's... There's a lot of pride in that in a positive way, but just like the word pride, when it goes out of balance, it can become very uh, distorted. And so if we're putting all of our effort into this sense of accomplishment and we're pushing in traffic and we're rushing to get to this and we're trying to accomplish that and, and, and believe me, I have been that person for the majority of my life and it doesn't always turn out to be, it never turns out to be well. But my friend told me a funny joke because I was like, yeah, the A in PERMA. And she was like, well, you kind of sounded like an A-hole because <laughs> like, <laughs> if we're focused too much on accomplishment, then we forget. You're an A-hole. Yeah, you're in, it. you're in the A-hole. You truly are. And you are forgetting about positive emotions and engagement and relationships and our sense of meaning. And so if we're, we're putting all of that focus in there, then it's never going to be a good good situation. I love it. I love I've been talking to my husband a lot about this and how before any of this happened, I was I didn't know this, but I was very out of balance. I was very I don't think I was focused on the A in any type of work sense, but like as just as far as my kids and my family life went, it was just like so much rushing. I had no idea how fast I was going. Right. Um and then as soon as as soon as this happened, it's like we I got whiplash. And now it's like, we're not in balance right now. We're also, we're out of balance in the other direction. Um, and we have this time to focus on the other things in PERMA besides the A, which I can't regurgitate back to you right now, but yeah. you know what they were if you've been listening. Um, and 
and then ideally come back like the pendulum always swings in each direction until it goes back to the center um and ideally be able to have that accomplishment i think we all miss that i know i miss that i miss i miss that i miss going out to dinner and i miss the movie theater desperately um we'll be able to have those things without being in this life that is going by so quickly that we can't even take it in that's right yeah yeah so um just slowing down a little bit. So to everyone who desperately misses going to work out, many of them were working out at Define. Um, you had mentioned you were going to be offering teachings on well-being and not just wellness. Like we have this wellness culture that's been going on. And it's so funny seeing kind of what's happening with that in a pandemic, because it's so clear that, you know, getting like a mani-pedi like once a week or whatever, isn't necessarily like this key component to wellness. Um, it's more about the whole person and your body and mind. So, um, how are you planning on really communicating that and making that something that's teachable, I guess, to anyone who wants to tune in? Well, I think it starts with, you know, the lowest hanging fruits, which as we just said, are wellness, it's about, you know, feeling good, looking good, doing something that's tangible, that really does have an immediate effect. Right. So I love Mm -hmm. your example of the hair salon or the nail salon, because as we think of like, when we're looking in the mirror, we're like, Oh, I I need to go get my haircut or do this or do that. But then when we actually get there, we realize that it's for such a bigger reason. It's about self-care. It's about taking some time to ourselves. It's a moment when we do get quiet. It's a moment when we might even get into a state of flow or perhaps that we can actually close our eyes and take a couple of deep breaths in. And then when we finish, we feel rejuvenated. And so the same concept could be said about how are we trying to put this into a format that really is successful. And, And so we think about the lowest hanging fruit being the physical nature. We know that people want to come in, they want to get a sweat or they want to get, you know, some sense of improvement from where they were to where they're going to be going, whether it's physical or mental, emotional, et cetera. So how can we devise this so that we're building a sense of thoughts and behaviors that lead to more positive actions in a way that really does correlate to better and higher essences of well-being? And so I'm really excited to say that we can have you know, content about body and we can have content about meditation and positive psychology and content about nutrition and cooking in an effort to start to really learn how we can apply it to our lives that makes it about living in, in, in a consistent way towards that higher state that we were talking about. So, um, yeah, I think it it comes down to, uh, what I think of as a slow saturation, a slow drip. Like if you think about, um, (laughs) having a little bit of a a slow dripping effect from a medical device that just slowly over time starts to truly saturate the entire living system. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make it a sustainable practice of, of online classes, of online workshops, of even online trainings and online coaching that helps to rejuvenate people individually on a community level, as well as even in organizations as well. Well, I love it. And I'm so excited for all that you are yet to offer the world. You've already offered so much and to watch where it goes and to be a part of it. And thank you for joining me today and sharing your wisdom and knowledge with all of my listeners. Thank you so much for having me, Laurel. As always, so good to be here and uh, can't wait to see you in person soon. You too. And thank you for listening. You've been listening to Look Ma No Hands. I'm your host, Laura Max Rose, and we'll join you again next week. 
Thank you for joining me for another episode of Look Ma No Hands. I'm Laura Max Rose, and you can follow me on Instagram at Laura Max Rose to stay up to date on upcoming episodes and the behind the scenes of my life with my own two daughters. If you like this episode and are enjoying Look Ma No Hands, the best way you can help me spread the word is to leave a review on Apple Podcast. This is the single best way to help me reach a larger audience and share these conversations with everyone who needs to hear them. If you love something you just heard, you can also take a screenshot of the episode and share it on social media. There might be someone you know who needs to hear what you just heard, and that's another great way to make sure they do. Thank you for joining me every week. I'm grateful for each and every one of you. More next time. Mom, 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 mom,